sorry, um, verses 24 through verse 29, Numbers 11. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. Also, he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and stationed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and he took of the spirit who was upon him and placed it upon the 70 elders. So Moses is transferring the spirit from himself to 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do it again. But two men remained in the camp, the one named Eldad and, and the name of the other Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those who had been registered but had not gone out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. So a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses, from his youth said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Then Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Does anybody want to read a passage? Turn to Judges 14. Anybody want to read Judges 14.6? It's going to be a related passage. If not, I'll call on somebody. Go ahead, Mr. Chris. Judges 14, verses 5 through verse 6. So here we can see that in, in the Old Testament you've got, again, the spirit coming upon Samson and it allows Samson to tear up beast. Now, it's also evident when Saul prophesies with this band of prophets this, uh, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 6 and verses 10. Does anybody want to read verses 6 and verse 10? Or should I say verse 6 and verse 10? Juan, let somebody, let somebody else go. Let somebody else go. Don't make me call on somebody. Oh, ma'am, go ahead. First uh, Samuel 10, verse 6 and verse 10. Mm-hmm. When they came to the hill, there, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him mightily, so that he prophesied among them. And see, so here we have evidence that the Holy Spirit has been working. Uh, he is bringing evidence of God's presence to his people. They were able to see a manifestation of the Spirit of God working in somebody's life because these people were doing things that they had not done before. Um, these are moments when people around could actually see that God was working in the lives of his people. Uh, on the day of the baptism of Jesus, now in the New Testament, uh, the Spirit was evident by coming upon Jesus in the appearance of a dove. Do you guys remember that? And the Spirit comes down in John 1.32, and on the day of Pentecost, by the coming of the sound of a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire. Turn to Acts 2. Can anybody quote this verse by memory, just out of curiosity? Acts 2, uh, just like maybe 1 through 4. 
No? Okay. <laughs> I could at one point, but I'm, I'm forgetting scripture as I'm getting older. Uh, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire, uh, tongues as of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, that, again, that's a, a passage that's filled, filled with a lot of exegetical problems, and it's also a passage that has brought a lot of controversy into the church. But all I'm trying to use it to show is the Holy Spirit would come upon people in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come upon people in the New Testament in a visible way. So you would know that God was working in these people's lives. Uh, it was Jesus himself who said that the Spirit would be in believers in such an abundance that he would flow out of us like rivers of living water. And, it's, and he would let them know, and he would let us know, that somehow the, this presence of the Spirit would be perceptible. Turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. 37 through 39. Does anybody want to read that? Miriam. Okay, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was, was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, and it's also a, a matter of fact that in our personal lives, in your personal interactions with people, uh, and, and in just your in your day-to-day -day walk with God, that the, the Holy Spirit in you is going to cry out, as we can see, sometimes it's going to cry out, Abba, Father. If you're familiar with that passage, in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified with him. Now, I love that passage. Again, Romans 8, Romans 9, incredible. I mean, the book of Romans, well, the whole Bible is a great book. The New Testament is a better book. I love the book of Romans in the New Testament, and chapters 8 and 9 are just tremendous. <laughs> so, you know, but, I mean, it's just it's incredible. I mean, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. That is a, a, a recipe for assurance. That's, but, again, that's the Spirit letting us know that he is manifesting in our lives in a way that we can. I can't explain it to somebody. I can't show it to somebody. But, again, I've got the Spirit in me telling me that, hey, you're one of my children and that you're okay. That's a wonderful blessing to have if you're a child of God. Uh, Galatians chapter 4. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. Does anybody remember how to remember the, the prison epistles? General Electric Power Company? Go eat popcorn. Or go everywhere, preach Christ. <laughs> so there's a lot of little ways. I learned that from Greg Kokel. So thank you, Greg Kokel. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 says this, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive 
the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. Again, a wonderful passage that just guarantees us that we can know that we are children of God. That is a wonderful thing to know. I know sometimes as you're going through uh, a life, oh, driving around in this weather like this, and you meet that idiot on the road who cuts you off, and there's ice patches, and the guy slamming on his brakes all the time. You can sometimes lose that Holy Spirit, that Christ-likeness in you, as the old man tries to seep his way back out, and you find yourself saying certain things that come up, and you choke them off. Why? Because we've got the Holy Spirit in us. We've got God living inside of us that will just knock that out. You just pray, okay, Lord, I'm trying to do the right thing. This guy is clearly not. Bless him. Then you move on. Now, I know you guys are better than me. I tend to hold on to those feelings for a while. So, you know, I drive past them. I give them the mean mug. And I, but that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just pray for them as Christians. But, hey, that's how I act sometimes. And I, I pray that the Lord will sanctify me. Um, the Spirit provides the guarantee or down payment of our future with God in the highest heavens. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says, Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us and and anointed us is God who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So we've been promised the spirit and we've been given the spirit. He also reveals um, the spirit's desires to us so that we can be led by those desires and then we can follow them. And you can see that in Romans chapter 8, again, that great passage that we read and Galatians 5, that other passage that we read. Um, He gives gifts that manifest his presence. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And occasionally, he gives miraculous signs and wonders that accompany the gospel. Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 2 and Romans chapter 15. This is how Grudem summarizes this section in, the, in his systematic theology. He says, it seems more accurate, therefore, to say that although the Holy Spirit does glorify Jesus, he also frequently calls attention to his work and gives recognizable evidence that makes his presence known. Indeed, it seems that one of his primary purposes in the New Covenant age is to manifest the presence of God, to give indications uh, that can be perceived by believers and unbelievers. This uh, this encourages people's faith that God is near and that he is working to fulfill his purposes in the church and to bring a blessing to his people. I agree with Grudem. I think it's a great quote. Any questions, any comments? Don't, Don't be scared. You can say anything you want to. Anything? Okay. Uh, The third thing is that he guides and directs God's people. Uh, As we look into scripture, it is clear that the Bible gives us many examples of the Spirit's direct guidance uh, to people. In the Old Testament, it was actually a sin uh, for people to enter into an agreement with another person that were not of the Spirit of God. You can see that in Isaiah chapter 30. But also in the New Testament, we see the text telling us, that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Y'all remember when Jesus went out into the wilderness? In Matthew chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But when you turn to Mark, I love what Mark says. Mark, Mark says that immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. Now, that word impelled there in, in Mark, uh, it's the word ekbalo, and it's a very strong term, all right? And that word can literally mean to throw out, to fling out. So, I mean, the spirit just took Jesus and cast him out there into the desert to be tempted of the devil. I mean, that's an incredible thing to understand. Um, The the spirit is not playing 
when he has to get done the work that God wants to do. The Spirit is somebody who is going to accomplish God's will because he is God. In another place in Scripture, the Spirit gives direct guidance to people. In other words, he speaks to them directly and he tells them what to do. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And Chris, I'm going to ask you to read Acts chapter 8, verses 27 to 29, if you don't mind. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, sitting on his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. So here we got Philip just minding his business. He's walking around. And the Spirit says to him, go up and join this chariot. Can you imagine what the sound of the Spirit is? What would it be like to hear the Spirit say to you, go up and join this chariot? Now, what happens in today's church is we have a lot of people who will tell you, God told me to tell you this. God said this. God said that. Um, I'm going to tell myself again. Have any of y'all watched the Preachers of Detroit show? No, okay. <sighs> All right. Almost everybody on there, God told me this. God told me that. God said this. God said that. It's terrible. Okay, when you're saying God told you this, let me, this is an aside. What you're saying is basically... If it's not true, you're committing blasphemy. If God, if God didn't say that to you and you said that God said it, that's blasphemy. So one, I fear for those people. But the, the, the issue is uh, that it is not going to be uh, outside of Scripture that we're going to hear God's voice. We're, we're gonna, there might be a leading. There might be a prompting. And I can't explain how that works. But God will do something in that fashion. But I don't think, you know, well, I'll say this. I listened to uh, Nabil Qureshi this morning, and I think he's doing something different over in the Muslim world. But in America, I don't think many people are going to hear, quote, unquote, the voice of God directly. Um, here's a great example of somebody being led by the Spirit in that same chapter, Acts chapter 8. Look at verses 39 and 40. This is a great example of getting guidance from the Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verses 39 and 40. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him and went away rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. As he was passing through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Now that is direct guidance from the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit picks you up and places you someplace else in an instant, you are being guided by the Holy Spirit. Okay? No, so I don't think, was there any question about that? No. I think Philip got guidance. From, was he supposed to go to Azotus? I think so. <laughs> How do we know? Because the Spirit put him there. Yes, ma'am. So he is not, not teleported, but just basically, I think that's a really inappropriate term, but just like he just appeared somewhere else, completely somewhere else. Actually, what happened is it's not in the text. Philip says energize, and the Star Treks, it beamed him down. It beamed him over. Just kidding. (laughs) Just just kidding. The the mechanics were not told in Scripture. How it happened and what God did, I I couldn't tell you. But we know that he was in one place, and then in an instant, he's in another place.
Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 <laughs> beam me up, Scotty. Take me to those orders. You know, but I, 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 again, I think uh, that this uh, this was a passage that the direct guidance from the Spirit. Uh, it, it's not always going to be that straightforward and that dramatic, but the Scripture talks more about, and this is where we need to focus on our day-to-day walk in the Spirit. Turn to Galatians five. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. Now, I, I want to just read a few verses uh, through here to focus, to focus your mind, but um, it, it's not going to be that God is going to translate you from one place to another, but listen to what Galatians says. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for, there, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Down to verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, is, is love, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Down to verse 25. If we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. If you're living by the Spirit, if you're walking by the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, that is a much better testimony to have than God miraculously translated me from one place to another. If you're somebody that is uh, being directed by the Spirit of God, whose, whose life is submitted to the, to, to the Spirit of God, you're going to have a, a much better testimony. You're going to have much more to say into somebody's life than somebody who can say, well, I've done miracles, and I've done this and that. Um, the, again, I, I have to go back to the people that we see on TV. Well, you're, you're knocking people out, and you're doing all of these wonderful things to people on a TV screen in a Christian meeting. But when I read the book of Acts, they were doing those things to people outside of the church. And, but those wonderful things that they were doing still does not compare to walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, um, having the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, ma'am. It happened. I mean, if, if it's an old saying, if the Bible says it, I believe it. That settles it. I mean, did, did it happen? Yes. And if anybody asks, but you believe that the, he transfers somebody? Yeah, I believe that. How it happened? I have no idea. Yes, ma'am. I was just gonna say, isn't walking by the Spirit essentially that you drink in the Word of God so much that we memorize scripture that we spend time with Him in the Word of God, and it is so deeply embedded in our hearts and our minds that it just pours forth out of us thereby walk by the Spirit, that we don't even really, we, we are obedient to Christ by not even having to so much stop and think, we just start to behave that way as we follow Him, and that's being led by the Spirit much more so, would you agree with that? Than yes, ma'am. Hearing things, or yes, maybe ma'am. even prompting, I, just the Word of God coming out of you. I do not believe for one second that you need to spend your life waiting for, I, I was I was at my old pastor's house, and there was a guy who would not speak until he heard from the Spirit. So you would ask him a question, hey, what's the time? It's 1 o'clock. What are you going to have for dinner? <laughs> Meatloaf. I mean, it was that, you don't need to spend your life like that. 
again, we have the scriptures. And if you get the scriptures into you, if you, let, if you are, as you said, just permeated with the scriptures, I, I, would, love, I would love to be a person that, like Pastor Emilio, I, I hate to use him as an example, but when he talks, when the, he, his, his words are permeated with scripture. He, he is a man who the words are just, just running through his veins. When he walks on concrete, he leaves scripture imprints on the sand. You know, that's what I want to be. Yes, ma'am. They're walking in scripture so much that they're using the word of God to speak into people's lives without, not that you don't know it or realize it, but it just becomes such a part of you that that defines you. Right. And isn't that where we all should be? That's where we should all be. It's, it's not a matter of... Setting our minds to Exactly. I don't have to, it's not, a, you don't have to tell somebody at work. The Bible says in verse, in chapter this and about, but if you're just talking and yeah. what you're saying is, again, it's immersed in scripture. You can speak to whatever they're talking to you about in such a way that it, it can it can change their life. And you weren't actually quoting scripture, but you were you were summarizing scripture. And that's where I want to get to, where, where I'm doing that all the time. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, ma'am. getting into, you know, the role that the Holy Spirit plays in the believer's life today mm-hmm. as opposed to then. And we know there was a divine will and purpose for it to be played out in those types of manifestations. And we know today that's being abused, right? So oh, we yeah. would be the first. I know I would be that if a Christian, professing Christian walked up to me and said, I just received a word from you or all of a sudden breaks out in some kind of foreign utterance, I would definitely, you know, I would immediately almost reject that because I know that it's it's being it's using it's being used out of context and it's being and then I've also heard that well how can you say he doesn't still work like that today because God's word never changes and you know it's all about hermeneutics I know it's all about going into that but I think as you know especially mature seasoned believers we know that the spirit is in us works through us in all things as believers and and even if even if we're if we're born again believers you know um it's not something we just wait on it's not something we just wait for something to act in us because he you know christ is in us right and so um you you just opened up a huge hole oh yeah and Better to minister to those that are stuck in all that, right. and right. you know, so but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what what is what is uh, uh, the issue? I think at the heart of the issue between uh, cessationists and continuous, and I'll say this, is I think that there is because I'm not either. I'm in the middle. Um, I think the cessationists are looking at certain scriptures and they're misapplying some scriptures. I definitely think that Charismatics, Pentecostals, um, Third Wave people are looking at some scriptures and misapplying some scriptures. I think what they both need to do is put down their presuppositions, put down what they think the Bible says, read the Bible for what it actually says, and and then come up with uh, a, a different theology. Um, it's not a matter of I need gifts from the Holy Spirit uh, to do this and that, and it's not a matter of were well, there are no gifts at all focusing. 
what it is is a matter of what Gigi said. I think if you are somebody who is immersed in scripture, that is a better position to be in than having any gift of, of the spirit that I can think of and uh, then saying that there are no gifts available. Yes, sir. preachers and they they say you know the Lord spoke to me about it so many times and everything and of course I've heard it said and I think it's a good saying when they you know say that but if they really heard from God which you know they didn't because right. you know Hebrews one he speaks to us through a son and, uh, but when they claim that they ought to write it down and put it in the back of a Bible mm-hmm. you know which is silly right mm-hmm. have you guys have you guys know what he's talking about mm-hmm. Pe- people will say if you're really hearing from God it, it's it is as as authoritative as the Bible. And so if, and if the issue is, if what you're saying God told you is, is, and you're telling people in the church that they need to do this, they need to do that, they need to do these, those, and the other, well, then what you're saying is you've got new scripture. And if you've got new scripture, you've got a problem because Joseph Smith had new scripture. Yeah. Muhammad had new scripture. The Jehovah's Witnesses changed the scriptures and made it a new scripture. You don't want to be in that place. Yes, ma'am. So what is the difference from hearing from God and being guided by the Holy Oh, I was hoping somebody would not ask that question. Um, I think hearing from God. Now, it depends. You're going to have to work with how I'm saying what I'm saying. Hearing from God. When you're listening and waiting for a voice to come into your head from God, or if you wait, if you're waiting for God to give you a sign or something like that to move and do whatever, I think that's not smart. I think that is not biblical. I don't think the Bible calls for that. But guidance from God is going to come from here. The Bible does not speak to every situation that we ever encounter, but it will give us principles, and it's called principalizing the scripture. I think that we need to do that a lot more to understand, hey, um, the Bible doesn't tell you who to marry. But the Bible does give you, it's got to be somebody of the opposite sex. Same-sex marriage is a joke. It's got to be somebody who's saved. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. And so it gives you some principles. So in a sense, your conscience comes from the Bible. Your conscience is informed informed by by the Bible. And exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, Scott. Our direction is from Scripture. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if it's not in sin, then it's a preference. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good way to look at it. Yes. That's very good. If it's not in sin, it's a preference. And and I think our preferences are, again, why we have denominations. There's sometimes why uh, Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, they're all saved. Those are my brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. But they have, we have preferences on the scripture, what we, again, how our hermeneutics work and what we're going to see in scripture. And it's going to cause us to be you know, a Presbyterian or a Methodist or the actual what God has ordained Baptist. So, um, <laughs> and, and that's why, I'm, I'm sorry, that's, I'm just this, you know, since we're Baptists here, I believe, I believe Baptists are right. So, but are there any other questions on that issue? I've got like four pages of notes left, and we've got like 15 minutes. So <clears throat> I'm going to talk really fast. What I, uh, to, to summarize that, I'll say this. This is not mere obedience to the moral commands, but it is more of a moment-by-moment responding to the Spirit of God. And I think I'll just cut it off right there. Um, there are other examples of the Spirit leading and guiding in the New Testament. You can turn to Acts 15, Acts 20, and Acts 16 to see uh, those things taking place. And so are there any questions or comments?
None? Okay. Um, the fourth thing that he does is he provides a godlike atmosphere. Uh, because the Holy Spirit is fully God and shares all the attributes of God, his influence will be to bring a godlike character to the activities and the situations where he is active. Um, because he is the Holy Spirit, he will at times bring about the conviction of sin, righteousness, righteousness and judgment. That's in John 16, verses 8 through 11. Um, because God is love, the Holy Spirit pours love into our hearts. Uh, that's Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And only the strong, uh, and it's often strongly manifested, uh, the Holy Spirit will create an atmosphere of love. If you guys go back and you read through Paul's epistles, and when he's talking about the Spirit, whether he's working or active, you're going to find love around the Spirit. Because the, the, the Spirit is going to be the person that's going to produce that love in your heart. And um, that, that to me is a, a wonderful uh, thing to have because Jesus said, "You'll how will they know that you're mine? By the love you have one for another. You know, if we can love one another, again, I think love is, is a, it's a great apologetic. You know, if I can love a man in Pakistan who's a Christian, haven't met him, but if I go there or if he comes here, we can fellowship and we can, we can talk about the scriptures and we can talk about the Lord and we can talk about what he's done. That is a great thing. You know, to, to have never met this person but have Christian fellowship, I mean, that's, I, I can't wait till well, you know, we all get to heaven and you're sharing stories. What was going on, you know, in the 1500s, in the, in the, in the 200s? You know, that's going to be an incredible thing. You know, what was it like running from Caesar? You know, where did you hide? You know, it's talking to people, that's going to be an incredible thing. Although this is not an exhaustive list, I'm, just, I'm summarizing this section. Paul summarized many of these godlike qualities um, that the Spirit produces when he listed various elements of the fruit of the Spirit. He did that in Galatians, but the, he also produces truth. Wisdom, comfort, freedom, righteousness, and awareness of the sonship, uh, even glory. The, ho the Holy Spirit brings about unity. That's in Ephesians 4, and power. That's in Acts chapter 10. Uh, all of these elements, the Holy Spirit is active, and uh, it indicates the various uh, aspects of the atmosphere in which he makes his own presence known, and thereby his character is known to the people. So are there any questions on that? I just I I kind of flew through that really quick. I understand. But... Um, he also gives assurance, and that does say assurance, I, I assure you. Um, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. That's Romans 8, 16 again. And he gives the evidence of God's work within us. Turn to 1 John. If you really want to understand your faith and have a, not understand, if you really want to know that you know your faith, read the book of 1 John over and over and over again because you're going to find the word that you may know, that you can have knowledge and know this and know that. It's going to be in John, 1 John, uh, many, many times. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24 says this. 1 John 3, 24. By this we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given us. So we can know that he abides in us, that is, Christ, by the spirit which he has given us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. He says, by this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his own spirit. And many other places in the epistle of 1 John, you just, you're just going to see that word over and over again. Todd Friel does a, a, a teaching um, called, um, it's, it's like assurance of your salvation, and he gets 10 points that you can know from 1 John. And I think, it's again, it's a great book. Um, any questions? Any comments? The Holy Spirit is not, the on, is, is not only... He, 
The Holy Spirit not only witnesses to us that we are God's children, but also witnesses that God abides in us and that we are abiding in God. Once again, uh, more than our intellect is involved, the Spirit works to give us assurance on a subjective level, a spiritual and an emotional perception as well. Again, those are things that I can't explain to you. I can't describe them to you. They're going to be personal to you. And that's where you start getting into to tricky language sometimes when you're talking about what the Spirit's doing and how the Spirit's doing it. But again, he's going to give you as a Christian an assurance that you can't explain. I could stand before a panel of PhDs that are all secular humanists, atheists, and they can talk to me all they want about what science is telling them. My faith is not going to be shaken one iota because I have an assurance given to me by the Holy Spirit. You know, you're not going to be able to take away what I know just by what you tell me science has said. Does that make sense to everybody? Any questions? Any comments? Yes, ma'am. And you can't be shaken because it's so supernatural. Yes, ma'am. Something you know you haven't done on your own, especially when you went from this to this. Yes, ma'am. You know, from being lost and dead in your sin to being reborn. It's like you cannot conjure that up on your own. Exactly. And again, the Holy Spirit bears witness. You you resonate with that truth because of the truth living in you. If you, if you think about scripture, when, when the blind man, they bring him before the Pharisees. I mean, these are the doctors of the law. They're, they're learned scholars. I mean, the Pharisees are they're the, they're the men in the community. They're just looked up to, and they bring a blind beggar, and he says, I don't know about you, but I was once blind. Now I see, and I'm going to follow this guy. And that, that is a better testimony again than saying, hey, I, I once was a sinner. I was lost in my sin. I was doing X, Y, and Z, and I was crazy. God touched my life, and now I'm walking with the Lord. I'm trying to devote my life to the Lord. I read the scriptures. I have, I'm in fellowship with God's people. I go to a good church. How am I harming anybody? You know, I'm not harming anybody. I'm not deluded. This is not a, a, a God delusion. This is a real thing for me. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. Um, the sixth thing is that he is going to teach and illuminate. Uh, the Spirit also teaches us and illuminates certain spiritual truths to us so that we can know the information more surely than we know anything else. I like the way Saiten Brukenkait says it when he says that the Spirit will, he'll, um, oh, now it just slipped out of my mind. Uh, the Spirit informs us in a way that we cannot be unsure. He says something to that effect. Something, do you remember how he actually says it, Wally? I can't remember exactly. But it's something to that effect, that the Spirit will illuminate stuff to us. He'll teach you truth in a way that we can know it, in such a way that we're not unsure. Okay? And, that, and I, I love that. Uh, in John chapter 14, verses 25 to 26, it says, These things I have spoken to you while, while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Also in John chapter 16, he says, verses 12 through um, 14, I have many more things to say to you, but do not bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of mine, and will disclose it to you. So he's going to take the things of God. He's going to teach us and illuminate us like now, if you want to talk about one of the things that I think Emilio has, and, and I think Pastor Chris has it too, it's a it's, it manifests itself in different ways. I think both of them 
are wonderful examples of God just illuminating their hearts. Because they, they read the scriptures and they pull out stuff. And sometimes I'm just like, I didn't even see that. You know, and it's not that they're coming up with stuff. They're not making stuff up. But they are uh, just in the scriptures so much that they understand where scriptures are going to match up, where things are going to line up theologically. And they'll pull that together and they give us a sermon. I can't wait to hear Chris's sermon today because I think he's wonderful at doing that. And that is something that you can't teach, that's something that you can't learn. It's something that the Holy Spirit does. Um, the work of the Spirit is vital for our lives, even when it comes to revealing what will happen at the end of time. Turn to 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians 2, we'll just read verses 10 through 12. Does anybody want to read First Corinthians 2, 10 through 12? Yes, ma'am. Yay, a new voice. It's okay. We can know the things freely given to us, as the NASB said. What, was, what version was that? The New Living Translation, that the NASB says um, that we may know the things freely given to us by God. And again, he's going to teach us. He's going to illuminate things to us. He's going to bring things to our mind that are given by God. Uh, we should pray that the Holy Spirit uh, would give us his illumination and thereby help us to understand rightly the right things when we study the scripture or when we're pondering any situation in our lives. We have to have the spirit in us to do that. That's again, that's again, Gigi, it was a great word. You have to meditate on the scriptures because, again, I can have something happen in my life. I, I can lose a child. I, well, actually, my, I got a call this week. My, my aunt slipped and bumped her head in the tub and she was in a coma. Um, and let's say that happens to Mr. Atheist over here. Well, I can think about this situation in a way that is actually right and true. But he can't think about the situation in a way that's right and true because he's, his mind does not line up with Scripture. Now, I might, I might misunderstand some Scripture or come to some false conclusions or whatever, but I'm still going to be in line with what God wants as long as I'm reading Scripture and seeing what God has said about this. What do I do with a, a family member who's sick and not feeling well? Well, he doesn't know. But I do. You do. Because we're Christians, we have the Spirit of God within us. Um, we have seen this week that the Spirit uh, reveals godly information to us. Uh, uh, and from that, we should take comfort and know that our God, he cares for us, and he is deeply concerned with what goes on in your daily lives. Uh, we have seen that one of the distinctive activities of the Spirit is that he, re uh, he reveals God to God's people to manifest the active presence of God in the world, and especially the church, by revelation to the apostles and prophets. He gives evidence of God's presence. He guides and directs God's people. He provides a God-like atmosphere. He gives assurance, and he teaches, and he illumines. Now, who wants the answer to the question, is the Bible inerrant because it's infallible, or is the Bible infallible because it's inerrant? Who wants to know the answer to that? The answer, exactly. The Bible is, it's neither, actually. It's both, because the Bible's inspired. 
That's why it is infallible and it is inerrant. That was a little, I thought I was going to trick Pastor Emilio, and he wrote back the answer, and I was like, dread. <sighs> he said, it's neither, and I said, oh, man. But now let me read to you the last thing that John MacArthur has said. This is actually uh, the first quote I read to you was from this book, uh, Charismatic Chaos. And this is, a, this is MacArthur's um, answer to that first bit that I read to you. That was from J. Rodman Williams, who's a, a well-known charismatic. He says this, the Holy Spirit is working mightily in the church today but not in the way most charismatics think, most Christians think. The Holy Spirit's role is to empower us as we preach, teach, write, talk, witness, think, serve, and live. He does not lead us into God's truth and direct us into God's will for our lives. Or, excuse me, as he does lead us into God's truth and direct, he does. It's not not. He does lead us into God's truth and direct us into God's will for our lives. But he does it through God's word, never apart from it. To refer to the Holy Spirit's leading and empowering ministry as inspiration or revelation is a mistake. To use phrases such as God spoke to me or is this, this wasn't my idea but the Lord gave it to me or these aren't my words but a message I received from the Lord confuses the issue of the Spirit's direction in the believer's life today. Inviting that kind of confusion plays into the hands of the, of the error that denies the uniqueness and absolute authority of Scripture. Those terms and concepts of Ephesians 5, 18 through 19, which talk about being filled by the Spirit, and 2 Peter 2, 1, which is what we read when we first started, are not to be mixed, but filled, being filled with the Spirit and speaking to one another in psalms and hymns is not the same as being moved by the Holy Spirit to write inspired Scripture. I agree with John MacArthur. Okay? Uh, I think, again, we have to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives so that we can be people that walk in the spirit and not walk in error. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for our time in your word. Thank you for the lives of these here, your people. Lord, we're just asking that you would mightily bless Pastor Chris as he is about to deliver the word of God to us. Father, um, just uh, give him a special empowering of your spirit to bring forth insights and um, implications from your word that are not readily seen. Lord, uh, give, give him a, a good feeling about his message today. We thank you for this message. We thank you for the time in, in Sunday school. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory in God's name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. amen.